Welcome to Labor Pains Podcast, brought to you by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am a woman that is very passionate and on a mission to help women and men that are struggling with infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. I am here to help share stories of the struggles that couples have gone through to inspire and give you hope to continue on your journey to have a family to love. I have talked to so many men and women that have all told me the same thing, that they all felt very, very alone as they were going through the struggles and the grief. I want you to know that you are not alone and I am here to connect you to others to give you hope beyond the struggles and the grief. Hello and welcome to the podcast today. I am so honored to have a guest on today that I don't really know. She lives pretty far from me. Um, never met her, just have been introduced to her uh, by a mutual friend. And so hopefully someday I will get to meet her, at least um, maybe we have to do a Zoom or something to at least know what each other looks like. Um, but I am so honored to have her on to tell her story today. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. And you're right. We do. We haven't seen each other. We do no. have to do a Zoom call. We'll have to do something because I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what you look like, <laughs> but that's okay. We've got some crazy times here, but we can figure that out sometime for sure so, so that we, we can get a better vision of a view of what each other, you know, looks like in our fa- in families and stuff. So I'm excited. I'm honored to have you on the podcast. I've heard a little bit about your story, but I really don't know the whole complete story. So I am anxious to hear your story as well as I'm sure the listeners are as well. So tell us how you, when you decided that you wanted to have a family, well, that was that why you were dating after you got married. Tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. Well, I grew up as an only child um, and which is always interesting because my mother is one of 13 children Mm. and then my dad has, you know, a a sister, but I grew up as an only child, which is always a little bit interesting. We definitely all have our own stereotype, don't we? But um, I, I think I always just kind of assumed I would you know, have a family just having grown up in kind of a traditional setting mm-hmm. and uh, met my husband um, through my mother and my mother-in-law who were good friends at the time okay. and pretty much were conniving to somehow <laughs> set their children up even though we were living in faraway places. He was being, he was uh, stationed in Alaska because he in the Air Force, and I was living in Nashville, but they figured if they introduced us and both of us were from Houston, that would mean they would have to, we would have to come back to Houston. So that was their ultimate goal. So it was a long process of like two years of trying to get us to meet. And then we finally met and ended up getting engaged about eight months later. And they still are very proud of themselves for this feat. And anyway, but my, my moms always know best. They do. And they're actually, <laughs> they 
they are still they are still best friends and um it's that's really good no that's people. that's good <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> But I say all that because my husband and I dated long distance the entire time we knew each other. And so then we got married while he was in the middle of transitioning stations Mm. and moved and decided, you know what, we've never even been in the same state together, but let's get married and move into a tiny apartment and see how it goes. Oh (laughs) boy. (laughs) So we uh, started off our uh, marriage in Florida. That's where he was stationed at the time. And because we had done this long distance thing for so long, we really wanted to kind of hold off on having kids just to try to enjoy being together for a few years. And about three years later, we were like, okay, I was 28. He was 30. We're getting to that age. You know, we know we want to have kids, so we should probably start trying to have kids. Just more of a, well, you know, this is the age we're supposed to be. And so we'll, we'll go for it. Um, but that uh, okay. was, but we were both on the same page of, of wanting to have children. It was definitely not a question of, of uh, you know, did we want to? It was just a question of when. When. Okay. Well, and I can totally relate. It's funny that you say that because I, I don't know if we if I told you this or not. So I'm one of 13 um, as well. And my dad was an only child. And so that's kind of funny that you said that. Yes. And my mom (laughs) is the second oldest as well. have been the oldest, like she's the bossiest one in the family. There's no question. They will all say that. And so my parents told me that they didn't plan to have just one, but I think because they both kind of grew up in situations where they didn't have a lot, they, they just liked the idea of being able to, you know, provide and do things for me that they didn't get to do growing up. And then my mom said, and then by the time we kind of had the discussion, it was too late to have any more kids anyway. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to ask you if she, if she struggled in any way. And, you know, I need to ask my mom if my grandma ever indicated with my dad why he was an only child. I don't know that. So I'm glad you triggered that in me. I'm going to ask my mom that. But yes, it's always just kind of an interesting situation as to why, you know, why people do yeah. even know. I don't know if it's you know appropriate to ask, but I think it's a good conversation to have. And my mom, I think she had felt as if she had raised so many kids, kind of being mm. an older sibling. And so I think that was probably part of it too. She was kind of, you know, she'd already been there, done that. And so they just had the one. See, that makes sense to me. That, that makes total sense to me. <laughs> yes. yes. So interesting. So, okay. So you've decided it's time. And, and how did that go? Right. So we decided it's time. And I had been on traditional birth control pills. Um, just and I had just started that, you know, when we got married, so I wasn't on them for a terribly long time. But it took my body quite a while to find any kind of balance after being on um, the, the birth control pills for a few years. And then eventually, you know, got found, you know, had that positive pregnancy Mm -hmm. sign Mm -hmm. on the test and, and then proceeded to have a, you know, fairly normal and uneventful pregnancy, which resulted in my older son who will be 16 in a couple of months, which is crazy. Oh my Uh, goodness. Yeah. And I was 29 at the time. Okay. You know, had that first baby and then felt like, oh my goodness, you know, what have I done? I was, I think that like only child in me, like very type A organized. You know, I always say it's almost like your whole life is 
you know, in this bowl and it's balanced and, you know, everything fits in there perfectly. And then somebody, you have a baby and somebody walks up and just like smacks the bowl out of your head. <laughs> everything goes flying and you're like, what just happened? Uh, that's kind of how I felt with my, with my first child. And I say that because I, I am a control freak that kind of sets the stage for a little bit of what we're going to talk about later. But if there's anybody out there who's type A and really likes to kind of hang on to control, um, you know, I, I feel you. I totally yeah. So, yeah. That being said, you know, I think people have a lot, some people are those people that have babies and go, I can't wait to have another one, mm-hmm. you know? And I was not that person because my world just felt so rocked, even though he was, a, you know, a very healthy baby. He did not sleep very well, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the most part, it was just a, it was a big, big, huge life change for me. And so I wanted to wait a little bit before trying to have any more children. Cause I was still just trying to get my head around, you know, what we were doing as parents at that point. <laughs> trying to get that organized and yes. balanced again. I yes. totally get that. My <laughs> daughter was like that. And when, uh, she had her little boy or when she, her water broke and she ended up being in the hospital for two weeks. The nurse told her, mm, you're not in control here anymore. <laughs> you know, this is totally hard- out of you. You are totally out of control. It's a hard lesson to learn for us type A folks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very hard. Okay. So you're going to wait a little bit to see if you can balance, see if you yeah, could you know, balance it. <laughs> A little bit more like myself, you know, being a military family, my Mm -hmm. husband was deploying during that time. So he was gone for months at a time and, you know, being somewhere without family around. And so it was, I look back on it. It was great because it really taught me, you know, how to kind of be able to hold it, hold it all down by my own, on my own. And, um, and so I guess we were, he was, um, two and a half or so. And I finally felt like, okay, you know, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I think I'm ready. And we started trying again and it took a little bit longer. Like it just seemed like this should work. Why am I not getting pregnant? Um, yeah. And then I remember so vividly where I was, like finally got that uh, positive pregnancy test again. It kind of was like, you know, wipe my brow off like, phew, okay, good. We, you know, we've done Did this. it. We're, yeah. This point, everything's going to be fine. Like we've, you know, we've done it all before. And I was always like, you know, being an only child, you know, I want two kids. I don't want more than that. Like I want them to be three years apart, Like you know, just all these mm. annoying things. Of, like, it's, like a birth, it's like a birth plan where you're like, so this is exactly how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And it does not go that way. And so at this point, um, we, I was gosh, 31 and I felt like pretty much like I had with my first pregnancy. I did get, I did get pretty sick in my first trimester, but there was still something that was kept nagging at me during that, the first trimester. I just kind of felt like, I don't know, something just didn't feel right. And that I always look back on as kind of like the beginning of my battle with anxiety. Um, the mean girl in my life that sometimes still rears her ugly head. Mm. But, uh, I went in for my 12 week appointment and they, the, I can see the doctor's face and, you know, talking about everything was checking out. Everything was fine. Let's check the baby's heartbeat. Um, and she couldn't find it with the, with the wand on my belly. And so they were like, well, let's do a vaginal ultrasound. Sometimes this happens. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, and she couldn't find a heartbeat. Mm. And then they came back in and said, we're sorry. 
you know, your baby passed away, we think about four weeks ago. Um, and it's, it's interesting, you know, there's moments in your life where, you know, you remember things, but maybe not as vividly as others. And that experience in my life, I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I can see it in my brain, like a movie, all, all, the, all the pieces and parts of it, um, because it really was a, an extremely traumatic yes. event. Mm. And, um, and so then became the whole, you know, move you to a different room. Let's have the discussion. What are we going to do? Are we going to, are we going to let her, you know, um, have a natural miscarriage? Are we going to have the DNC? Just all these things that you're like, what just happened? You know, I thought when I walked into this office 30 minutes ago that I was pregnant and turns out I have, you know, I haven't been pregnant for a month and I didn't even know it. Uh, and so mm. then ended up really quickly after that, within the next day or two going in and ha- having a DNC since I hadn't, you know, since I hadn't Mis- really had any big signs for weeks, they were like, you know, we need to, we need to do this. And so, and then, and then this just whirlwind of events and then showing up back at home, you know, and not being pregnant and shell shocked and what just happened. Um, and then trying to figure out how to get back to normal, whatever that was. Sure. Um, and so, so yeah, that, that, you know, now I look back, they categorize those as called being called a missed miscarriage where you don't really have those visible signs of bleeding or cramping or anything like that. Um, so, so that was my first miscarriage experience. Okay. Yeah. Oh, devastating. Like you said, very traumatic, very traumatic, mm-hmm. very, very traumatic. So and many I, emotions going during that time. So many emotions. And I had had friends that had had miscarriages before. And I think, you know, you, you feel for them. You don't understand it in the same way until you have one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are dealt that hand in life, but it did, it did, it did change me. I know it changes everybody that experiences one. Um, and, and so, yeah, and that was kind of the, that right there was the catalyst for like a huge down spiral for years of my life, mm. um, you know, and I really struggled in these, those next few weeks of which a lot of women do of just trying to, I mean, replay every moment of those past 12 weeks. What have I done? What did I do? You know, did I cause this? If I did, what can I do differently next time? The obsession of wanting to get pregnant again and, and feeling so like we have to hurry, like just this sense of mm. we have to hurry up and, and get, get back on track. And, you know, and, it, and that became a pattern for me for years. Well, and even with your personality, probably even a little bit escalates <laughs> yeah. that like, really, what did I do? I, I must have done something, you know, blaming yourself and um, like feeling like you were not in control. Like what happened? Right. Yeah. Was, oh, gosh. And I know that that's, that's, you know, for people who are yep. out there listening that have been through it before, those are, you know, those are emotions that a lot of us can relate to. And um, then because of my like hormonal imbalances, you know, it just, everything started to just kind of, I felt like it really started to spiral. My mind wouldn't shut down. My, I started to really experience anxiety. 
um, you know, depression at the same time. And I, I don't, I wouldn't call it like a full blown depression, but I would get, I would live in a state of, of heightened anxiety for days and days and days. Like, it's like my, my body, my mind, nothing would rest. And then I would just crash. And for then for the next few days, I was just like, I couldn't do anything. I, you know, and I had this three-year-old son at home, which I, you know, look back and my goodness, thank goodness I had, I'm so grateful to have had that first healthy pregnancy with him Mm -hmm. that, you know, I didn't have that fear constantly, even though everybody's a little bit anxious. And then also just having him, you know, as a, as a source of comfort, you know, to be able to come home to, but that then during that time over the next, just to get, get, get moving. Cause otherwise we'd be here all day. But I, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. I ended up having, having a total of seven miscarriages in a row. Oh my gosh. With no real medical explanation for why they kept happening. And they were not all the same. So I just described that one being a missed miscarriage. I also had, you know, a chemical miscarriage, which is almost like a blink and you miss it, you know, where you get the positive pregnancy sign, but then it just like fades. It's just, it didn't, um, for lack of a better term, you know, it didn't take. Yes. um, But you still get, you still have that test, you know, you still have those two lines on the test. Um, And then I've had just your standard miscarriage that, you know, cramping and bleeding and passing it naturally. And then I've had an ectopic pregnancy too. Mm. Um, And uh, so I, I, all the reason I say that is just to, because, because they were all different and because they kind of seemed kind of all over the place. Yeah. It, it, it didn't, there wasn't like a straightforward answer, you know, and I was very fortunate in that, you know, I moved around a lot. That's the beauty of military life, right? You're never in the same place. So I did see a variety of doctors. I saw, you know, I was always in a different place when I was, you know, experiencing a different miscarriage, but most of the time, the typical medical community standard is that you don't get tested to see if there's anything wrong until you've had three miscarriages, which is a whole other, you know, argument that I could go down that road and and, and argue about with that. But, um, well, and there, and there are some doctors, you know, and I don't know why that started because I have talked to infertility doctors and stuff. I think the insurance really is kind of maybe spearheaded that or is, the underlying of that, because I have talked to fertility doctors that no, you can kind of go there anytime. So it's interesting that so many people say and believe that. So it could be hinged to insurance that you have to have three miscarriages or the OBGYN, you know, the OB says you got to have three. And, you know, I will tell people too, like, that there is a reason, there is some probably truth in the fact that that shows you how common miscarriages are. Absolutely. It's not discussed, but that just shows you that it is common. But I did have a doctor. I was in Virginia at the time and he said, you know what? It was after my second miscarriage. And he said, you know what? Let's, let's do testing. And I was really grateful for that. Uh, And that one, it ended up being a a chromosomal issue uh, with that baby. But (laughs) Um, you know, I, I did, I ended up going and like I said, we could be here all day, but I had seven miscarriages. My body Mm. was completely out of control. I was having obviously hormonal imbalance. Like you read about, I was having really bad anxiety, 
depression. I was having chronic pain. I was in this constant state of fear, like uh, all the time and really just almost unrecognizable to myself. And it was a really, really dark time. It took a toll on my marriage. Um, and I, you know, look back on being a mother to the son that I have had at the time, you know, and just how absent I was, even though Mm. maybe not physically, but just emotionally and mentally just fatigued and checked out and obsessive. You want to talk about a crazy helicopter mom. (sighs) I was just so frightened and paranoid to let him out of my sight to, you know, just because I was like, Oh my gosh, what if he's all that I get? And, uh, Oh, there was just, like I said, there was just, there's so many layers to it. And then also the piece of it not being something that people really talked about. And then I'm already a, you know, a type A perfectionist private person. What a recipe for just (laughs) a hot mess disaster meltdown of a person. And so it just, you know, it just really was a really ugly time. Um, but somewhere in the middle of all that, just hitting rock bottom, I, you know, my husband got to a point where he said, you know, Amanda, we have gotten to a point where I can't help you anymore. Like, I think we need to go see somebody. And I had a lot of mental stigmas about going and having any kind of counseling, mm-hmm. not for other people, other people, <laughs> that's fine. But for me, I was like, what is wrong with you? You need to be able to get over this. You need to be able to suck it up, pick it up, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, and it just wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And so he dragged me kicking and screaming to go see a counselor. And, um, and our faith is important to us. And it was a Christian counselor and, he was wonderful and he ended up, you know, introducing me to my first, um, what I'll call a natural health practitioner. Uh, his wife had struggled with some stuff. And so he was like, you know, you might want to check this out. Um, and she's one of my best friends now, but it was the moment that I started to kind of take a step out of that really deep darkness. Um, and, It was a time when I, the one thing I will say is though, even though that I was in that really, really dark spot, I always felt like there was a part of me that, that kept thinking, I cannot stay in this spot. Like this Mm -hmm. is not okay. I have got to find a way to get out of it. And, you know, I, I'd seen so many doctors, I'd seen so many different, you know, been to so many different offices, what have you, and nothing was really changing or working. Um, and they were trying to give me like anxiety medications and different things. And I have nothing against those medications. I just kept feeling like this pull of something is not right. And this is not the answer because I know that my body is capable of having a healthy baby because I did it before. So what has happened to me or what is off? What is not working properly that I can't get back, you know, that I can't do it, something Mm -hmm. right. And that, so when I started to see my natural health practitioner, um, which my husband now, we have such funny jokes about it, but you know, he was like, you know, we just everything from like voodoo, uh, (laughs) you know, he'll, you know, 
you know, your potions and teas and all that kind of stuff. But um, it really was the, it really like motivated me to take charge of my own health and to really, really research and really just start digging to figure out, okay, like if I was, if I was able to have this baby however many years ago, what, what's different? What can we change? What can we, we do better? Um, And so I got to a point, we moved to Florida and I just made a decision that, that like I have put my life on hold for years to have this maybe baby because who knows if it's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm done doing that. I'm done. Like if I, if I get to have another baby, that's great, but I'm going to start living my life again and I'm going to start um, stepping out, not hiding doing things, not building my whole life around whether or not I can have this, you know, baby or not. And so I started to, I'm a Pilates instructor. I have been for 18 years and Mm -hmm. I went and I had another DNC. I can't even remember what pregnant, they all start to kind of blend together, but I'm not even sure what pregnancy it was. And I woke up from the anesthesia and I told my husband, I want to open a Pilates studio. And I, th- I think at that point he was just like, well, she's drugged. So <laughs> and okay, honey, you know, and I had done this before, but before I'd been through all my issues and he was like, sounds great. Let's do it. Um, and that was huge for me because I started putting, you know, putting myself out there and doing something that had nothing to do with this obsession of mine, which was having a second child. Yeah starting to kind of figure out how to live again and how to find joy again, um, even if this part of my life wasn't going to work out. Uh, and so that was a huge piece of healing for me. And then the other piece that I would say is, again, um, I wasn't having any luck with any, with any of the medical community in terms of what was mm-hmm. quote unquote wrong with me. You know, every, I heard everything from you're too old, which I was, you know, in my early thirties um, to your eggs are bad or you have bad luck, um, all sorts of things. And I mean, we all, we had so many different tests and we went and had my husband tested at one point, And I'm sure there'll be some women out there that understand this too. Mm-hmm. We went into the office and I said, I love you so much. Thank you so much for getting tested please don't take this the wrong way. I really, really, really want there to be something wrong with you. Uh, (laughs) Well, you you probably just want an answer. I wanted an answer. And I think I was so like, I was like, you know, I'd spent so many years just thinking like, this is, it's all my fault and I'm so broken and I'm so, you know, there's just, you know, and I was like, you know, it'd be so nice if it turned out that maybe there was something wrong with you. And of course there wasn't. (laughs) But, um, but it was just, you know, I was like, I'm just trying to be honest. Like I told myself, I'm going to be really honest with you about my feelings. And, you know, I just was so desperate for answers and then it would have been so nice for it to be him. Um, but anyway, and who knows, maybe, maybe it was a little bit of him too. But, um, during that time was when, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'd started working with a natural health practitioner and I'd really started to just kind of dig around on the internet and the internet wasn't even, I mean, it makes me sound like I'm so ancient, but it really wasn't even, uh, it wasn't as much as it is now, you know, Mm -mm. and this was what, 10 years ago. And I just really started to like dig down a million rabbit holes of anything and stumbled across a website that was about 
natural fertility and how to restore your body to optimal health that way. Mm. And it was a lifesaver in the same way that now there's so many sources of community out there. Thanks to social media, social media can get a terrible rap. And to be honest, it deserves a terrible rap a lot of the time. But one thing that it has done is created communities for people um, that really just need to see that there are other people out there struggling in the same way that they are. Absolutely. That is what this website did. It had, um, it had forums. It had these forums on there and you could, um, you know, connect with other people. You could read other people's stories. You could ask the doctor and the nurses questions. They would actually, you know, respond to you. It was, it was where I was, you know, late at night, everybody's asleep. I'm on the computer reading about these things. And it really opened my eyes to the power of, you know, how much power I had in trying to restore my own body to optimal health. And I look back now and not one doctor or one person ever said to me, you know, you might want to look into the foods that you're eating or what's Mm. in your environment or the products you're using. And I don't fault anybody for that because it's not like they were withholding information from me. It just wasn't something that was top of mind. Yes. And we've come a long way in that way. And, um, and I, you know, am the first to stand on the mountaintop and scream that, but so that was something that we started doing in our house. You know, we started changing the products we were using. Um, we started eating differently, trying to move towards a more whole foods diet, cutting out gluten. Um, and these aren't things that I say you should, you know, you should do these things and you will get pregnant by no means. But <laughs> sure. It was just a step of trying to figure out maybe, you know, maybe there's just some junk going on in my body and I don't know about it. And these can be things to um, improve it. And so long story short, too late for that. But I got pregnant again, you know, um, for the ninth time. Mm. And I honestly didn't even really think about it too much. And that pregnancy stuck. And wow. it was completely uneventful and normal and very much like my first pregnancy. And I had another healthy boy eight years later. Um, and with no, you know, tradi- no traditional um, medical whatever you want to call it. You know, I didn't, I wasn't taking any medications. I wasn't, I didn't have to do IVF or any of those fertility drugs or anything, no fertility treatments. Um, and, and yeah, and he is, he will be eight years old in November. Um, and I, it's amazing to me, you know, that, uh, he is here that we were able to um, fight through all that adversity to be where we are now with him. Uh, You know, people didn't even know that I had that many miscarriages. My parents didn't even know that I had him because I just got to a point where I felt like a broken record. Mm -hmm. I was just tired of it. I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to be that person. Um, I just kind of suffered in silence and, you know, had him and, then a year later, he, when he turned one, that was when I had told myself, I'm going to tell people, like, I'm going to make it public of what I have been through. And I look back on it now. It's kind of like a blog post. I didn't have a blog at the time, um, but I wrote this long thing, posted it on Facebook, felt like I was going to throw up when I, you know, um, hit post. But 
that was kind of like my coming out party, um, mm-hmm. you know, what we had been through. And then I was absolutely flooded with messages from all these women that I knew that had had miscarriages and I had no idea, um, wow. you know, and not like, oh, I've had one. I've had three. I've had two, you know, and when I saw them with their families, I always thought, look at their perfect family. They never had to deal with any of this. Mm. Um, I was wrong, you know, and I think that they're so there's, I mean, we know that now, but it's a little bit more common with fertility info. Like there are so many women and families around us who have experienced this and we just don't know because it's not something that is talked about as much as it could be, as much as it should be. Um, But it was really an awakening for me, just that the power of my story and the power of being open and the power of being vulnerable about it. Um, And then of course, after I had kind of said that I had been through this, then I had people coming to me who were struggling with infertility that wanted to know what I had done. Sure, yeah. You know, then you're, you just see that as a beacon of hope, right? Like, what did you do? You have to tell me exactly what you did. Um, and I certainly didn't feel equipped to do any of that. And um, soon after that, we ended up moving to Alaska. And I decided to go back to school to be a nutritional therapist to kind of study how the body works and how the power of a real food diet and certain ways to restore the body back to optimal health through real food. And because I just felt like, you know what, that might be able to help me to be able to answer people's questions more. Sure. And so, you know, fast forward, all blah, blah. And (laughs) here I am. And now I have, you know, a blog and a business. It's called My Well-Balanced Life. And it's really about helping women. It's not specifically geared towards people that struggle with infertility. uh, But because I think there's so many things that we um, struggle with that can really be helped if, by cleaning up our, our diet, our lifestyle, so many different things. So I just try to help busy women live healthier lives through the power of real food and healthy movement and safer products. And it's, you know, incredibly rewarding, such a huge surprise to me. If you had told me this, this, this was going to do this, this <laughs> what I was going to do in my life um, and kind of spend my days being really open about all of my struggles, uh, which is hilarious because I was like the person that never wanted anybody to know (laughs) did not have it together. And now that's like my wheelhouse of look how much I don't have it together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You were totally out of control. Yeah. Your whole life was was not in your control for sure. For sure. So I just want to say, you know, I'm just totally at all like, how you just kept going because there are a lot of women like emotionally, physically after a couple miscarriages, you know, especially already having a child that like, okay, I just can't do this anymore for my health. But you just kept fighting. Like there was, sounds like a deep desire really to have that other child. And so it was like, you just, it was like you would go through anything to do that. And I can, you know, that's just amazing to me that you've kept fighting for that for yourself. And then to come where you are out where you are now, um, to be able to share, be so vulnerable to be able to share about all of those losses is tremendous. And of course, 
that's the reason for the podcast, you know, to really connect people together and to help with those stories. Um, yeah, you know, that's, it's true. And I look back, I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like sometimes, you know, yeah. it's just like, man, that seems kind of just really out of character for me and crazy. Uh, you know, I think when you're dealing with infertility, um, you know, there's always this little tiny glimmer of hope, you know, mm. if, if it wasn't, if it wasn't there, we would be able to kind of walk away and keep going. But there's something about that little glimmer of hope that just keeps pulling you back in. And, um, you know, that's another hard thing about infertility is it really permeates your mind. You really have a hard time detaching yourself. I mean, it is obsessive the way you begin to just let it control your life mm-hmm. you think that that is a piece of that's really hard to find that balance of your you know wanting to kind of continue to um, keep fighting but yet not be completely overwhelmed by it and uh, I think you know it's hard for people to understand on the outside I think if you are in the middle of a fertility journey it can be a little bit easier to understand but I think there was some fight in me because two reasons. One, I, I knew that I could do it because my body had done it before. So there was. Right. Right. I, could do it. I think and that so has something to do with your personality. Like, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, like I've done this and dang it. I'm yeah. going to do this again. No I'm matter do what it. I'm doing like, this. Nobody's, nobody's <laughs> giving me a good answer for why I'm not being able to do it. Yeah. So this is not acceptable. You know, so I, <laughs> I think that was part of it. And then the second part of it is really a part that I'll use the term outsiders just because I can't think of anything better. Don't really understand when you can feel it in your body and in your spirit. And if, you know, if, if you believe in a higher power and you feel like that calling is also upon you, like I just knew, like, I was like that we're not done. Like I will know when we're supposed to be done and I'm not done. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to keep trying. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm going to have another miscarriage. Like, okay, well, I've done that and I'm really good at it. So I'm not really worried about that. And so I think there was a little bit of of that in me too, where I just felt like, you know, I just feel, because the other part that people are, I know some people really struggle with the idea of having just one child, especially if you grow up with siblings. And I've talked to a lot of people about this, you know, they really feel a really strong desire to make sure that they, they have a child you know, they have more than one child so that those children are able to grow up together and have that special sibling relationship. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have that. And so that wasn't, you know, and I had a great experience as an only child. Two of my best friends are only children. You know, we, so to me, it wasn't like, oh my, this child is going to suffer if he doesn't have a sibling. It Mm -hmm. just felt like I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to keep fighting. And probably Mm -hmm. the third thing I would say about that too is just, I was also fighting for my health. Like I didn't realize it at the time that my body was really unhealthy, mm-hmm. you know, because if you, if you're, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with chronic pain, all those different things, like that's not, that's not normal. Something is off in the body that, you know, is, is, is leading you down that road. And, and I also felt, again, I can't stay in the spot. I've got to do something to get better. And so I also think that was a huge part of it too. Like I look at myself now and I think, my goodness, if I'd only been this healthy, you know, 10 years ago, yeah, 
thing, but that's, this is the journey I was supposed to be on. It um, is. It really is. And I'm thankful that your husband took you kicking and screaming to. Yes. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I, think I did not like it. I would, I would go and I would, I mean, I actually really, really grew to love my counselor. He was an amazing man, but I would go and then everybody who has been in any kind of counseling before, you know how draining it is. And then I would come home and pick up my, my son from, um, you know, Mother's Day out. I'd come home and I would have to lay down for like an hour. I was just so spent from having to like, sure, myself, you know, on that couch. But, um, but it was so, the, the, the cycle that happened through just that one introduction of my husband dragging me there mm -hmm. led me to meet a variety of different people who became my like team of like, get Amanda better. Um, not get Amanda better to have a baby, but just get Amanda better was just amazing. And they're all amazing people that, you know, I'm still in contact with and yeah. I'm so grateful to have like just been put in that situation. Sure. And, and I love that you're sharing all of this because just a couple episodes ago, and I don't remember the number, it's terrible. I should probably make myself a list of who, when everybody's podcast, you know, but it was Dr. Uh, Kristen Wilson. She is a uh, chiropractor in the St. Louis um, area. And the same thing, you know, she works with her patients to really get their health to be optimal. And the same thing, getting their home, you know, environment um, so that the nutrient, so that the person is as healthy as they can, you know, right. all of those cleaning products and things that we're exposing ourselves to people don't realize. So I was just going to tell the listeners, you know, if, if this is, is starting to make sense to you, or if this is a possibility with you, that it's huge. It really is real that your pregnancy or becoming pregnant will be so much better if you can get your body as healthy as possible. And even if, like Dr. Kristen said, if you have to go through fertility, I so much better, your, um, your body will be much healthier, mm -hmm. you know, and the statistics of you holding that, you know, your chances of holding that pregnancy are going to be so much better. So I would always encourage people to do things like you're doing, reach out to people like you, like to Dr. Kristen to really figure out what you can do to get your body as healthy as possible before that pregnancy. It's so true. I wish I had known those things, you know, all those times ago and, but it is what it is. And one of the people that yeah. you know, I'm during that journey and during, like I talked about that team of people was a chiropractor. And that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to the chiropractic, mm -hmm. to chiropractic care. And it was life-changing as well. Um, you know, I always explain to people cause you just don't really think I don't know. People don't really think of it in this way. We also kind of get the pieces of, I got to eat well and I have to exercise. Like people know that, but mm -hmm. when it comes to like your environment and products and things like that, that, that tends to be something that isn't as front of mind as the other things. Um, but you know, in this day and age, we're just bombarded with toxins throughout our days mm -hmm. and everybody's toxic. Um, I, I kind of equate it to a bowl, but 
everybody's level of toxicity that they can handle without it having a big effect on their body, it's different. You really don't know what yours is. But if you have, you know, at some point, your body is probably going to get to a point where it's too much. And you're, and so it spills over and you start to have a variety of, you know, you can have a, a million different symptoms of things that can be traced sure. back. At. But the idea of it is if you take control of that and start to reduce your toxic exposure, your body just is able to work more efficiently. It's not spending its time having to filter out toxins from your personal care products, your, your cleaning products, the food that you're eating, what have you, it can focus on other things. And so if you are struggling with, that's one of the things that I think can be really challenging when you're dealing with infertility, like we talked about earlier, is you do feel like there's so much of it that's out of your control, you know, mm -hmm. and you just want to feel like you're doing something proactive. And that is one thing that you can absolutely take charge of in your life. And it will allow your body to function so much more efficiently, focus on the things that are, you know, of the utmost importance and not having to deal with all this other junk that you're exposing it to. And if, if that is you and you have been like never paying attention to any of that stuff, you can't sweat it. You can't beat yourself up for what you didn't Absolutely know. Absolutely not. You just take, what do I know now? This is awesome. I can do better and better is always better. And, and just try to, you know, make some better choices with that. And, you know, there can be some amazing effects that happen with that. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no, uh, there, I would just reiterate that. Don't blame yourself for things that you don't know or that you didn't know. Exactly. You know, but anyone that's listening to this, the seed is there now. Um, do some research, reach out to, um, we'll give information, reach out to Amanda to, to walk you through some of that or somebody in your area, but there, but you know, now, you know, you've got a little, a little bit of more knowledge that could help you. So let's conclude with this, um, words of encouragement from you. And then also after that, I want you to, if you're okay with it, Give information of how, if, if there is a listener um, that would like to reach out to you, if you want to give your, um, I believe you gave your website uh, earlier, <laughs> um, if you want to give that. Um, and the other website that you gave was the Natural F uh, Fertility Info. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And I assume that's still in existence. So naturalfertilityinfo.com. It is, I believe it has some dashes, like okay. it's natural-fertility-info.com. Okay. okay. Well, I'll look that up and that'll be in the show notes, you know, when, when yes, I, absolutely. We'll, we'll make sure that that's available to all of the listeners, but yeah, words of encouragement. You kind of gave a lot already things for people to, to help them through this journey, but let's sum, summarize all of that. Okay. Sounds good. Um, you know, I would say that the first thing would be to look for some community. Uh, you know, I think when you are dealing with infertility issues, it is so lonely. It mm. feels like you are the only person in the whole wide world that is experiencing what you're experiencing right now. Uh, and it's, sh there's shame associated with it. Even if your brain tells you that you don't have a reason to be shameful about it. And so I think it's so important that you do find other people that are understand what you're going through, because even if your family and friends 
no, they, they are not going to get it in the same way unless they've experienced it. And so I really feel like, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing how much connection you can have with strangers on the internet, Mm -hmm. complete strangers. But if they, if you relate to them in that sense, like it's, it, it, those people are rooting for you, you're rooting for them. And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how that just knowing that other people really understand and some of it's ugly. You know what I mean? You have thoughts when you're going through fertility, you have thoughts of jealousy about other people um, that you feel kind of ashamed for feeling like that. You know, there's always that person that you feel like they just decide, Hey, you know what? I want to have another baby. And then boom, they have another baby. Mm-hmm. And everything's fine. You know what I mean? And yep. it's just, bleh. I remember <laughs> a little funny story that you guys will hopefully enjoy is, I remember being at a preschool meeting when my, my older son was probably like four and (laughs) there was a girl at the, at the table next to me and she was sobbing and she was pregnant. And I was like, Oh my goodness, like something is wrong. Like I felt so bad for her. Well, come to find out she explains as she's sobbing that she just found out that she was having a boy and she didn't want to have a boy. Oh, and I, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm not proud of this moment, but it's a hundred percent true. I remember like the rage just like filling my body. Like I was going to jump across the table and like claw this woman's eyes out. Like, how dare you like be sitting in this room when I'm sitting right here. Like I would give anything to have a baby and you're sobbing because you're not having a girl. I don't, I remember it so vividly, but you know, those, those, those emotions and those feelings are so natural. So don't, don't beat yourself up if you're Absolutely. feeling Absolutely. Like I guarantee you that there's somebody out there who feels the exact same way. So find your tribe of people that really understands that, you know, and, and whatever aspect of infertility you have, there's a group out there for you, whether mm-hmm. if you're having to do with IVF, if you're, if you're struggling with, you know, all sorts of things, they are out there for you. So I would definitely recommend that. And then the second thing is it's easier to, it's much easier for me to say this than to actually, you know, put it into play. So it's a hard one, but, uh, do not try not to put your life on hold for what could be, um, there, you miss out on a lot if you do that. And there are ways to find joy that don't have to do with having a baby. Um, and that was a less hard lesson for me to learn, but a really important lesson for me to learn too. Um, and then the last thing I will say is learn, focus on those things that you can control. There are things that you can do to improve you and your chances and, and just your body overall, body, mind, and spirit. Um, and it will make you feel so much better if you can focus on some of those things. Wow. <laughs> I don't have anything to say after that. Absolutely. <laughs> I totally totally in, in agreement with all of those points that you made. They are huge points. They really are. I, the joy <clears throat> one is probably the biggest. And I, that was the one that was the biggest game changer for me, I think, is just learning to get out there and live and find those joyful moments um, that yes. really have anything to do with my fertility journey. And it's interesting, that seems to come up a lot. And a quote that I kind of came up with yesterday when I was um, talking to another person, another podcast that we recorded, and it was fight for your joy. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't don't let anyone take that from you. And don't allow yourself to take your joy. That, um, like Amanda said, 
you know, don't let this whole um, journey consume you. Make sure that you're enjoying, you know, enjoy the journey because there, there almost always is some sort of reason for it. And there's the happy ending, you know, <laughs> it's for <true>. you, <laughs> you know, the whole journey, you know, has brought to you to where you are now and, and all of the people that you've met and, and what you're doing with your life is tremendous. And you would have met, like you said, never have done that if you had not experienced all of those miscarriages and heartache. No, I, I'm, I'm always amazed. You know, there's that saying of like, <clears throat> what, you know, good can come from all the darkness or, yes. you know, beauty from ashes and all those phrases. And mm-hmm. I am still blown away. You know, my, it's, it's hard when you're in the middle of a fertility journey where you feel like it just feels like you're never going to get to a place where it's not consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, And I remember, like, I didn't think I would ever be able to read a pregnancy announcement again without it feeling like it was hitting me physically like a truck. You know, like, I would would sweat. I would – my heart would race. I would, you know, I would feel tears in my eyes, you know, every time that somebody would say, I'm pregnant or whatever, and just it would be a physical reaction. I didn't think I would ever get past that or find joy in going to a baby shower or any of that. Um, And sometimes it it will shock me where I will realize, oh gosh, like none of that phases me anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it feels sometimes a lot like I'm talking about somebody else when I, when I start talking about this stuff, because it does feel like so long ago that I, I was so deep in that Valley that I didn't think that I would get out. And so it's, it's such a gift to be able to be on the other side of it, but also be able to provide that hope for other people. Absolutely. Um, not, you know, I always tell people you, you can never guarantee somebody um, a healthy pregnancy or a healthy baby. Um, but you, you can't, you can't put that hope out there because you just don't know what people's stories are, what's in their future, but to provide a hope for people that you can find joy and happiness, um, and fulfillment in, you know, despite all of it, I think is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. and something that doesn't probably get enough acknowledgement, but it really, really can happen. Yes, absolutely. And I want to say when you were telling your story about the lady that was having the boy, Anyone that has gone through any kind of infertility struggle of any kind or loss, miscarriage, they're probably right there with you. Um, they have experienced that, you know, the, the just fuming heat in their body, the anger, the emotions just um, yeah. taking over them. They've experienced I, it. it, 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 it like to yep. It because I'm like, yep. oh, yeah. I mean, there's that person where you're like, I hate that person. I hate yeah. that person because they talk about like how easy their pregnancies are or whatever. And it's, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and it's not that. Just... Yeah. And they don't even, they don't mean any, no. any mil- ill by it. They, it's, it's their journey. It's what they're going through. But exactly. they don't realize when they're saying those kind of things or, you know, even announcing another pregnancy, you know, they're third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever, that how that's being perceived and taken in by somebody that's struggling. And, and it's okay. I mean, we, 
we should be excited for them, but it's just really hard. And, and hopefully those, those women are listening as well to the podcast and can have a better understanding of their friends, you know, (laughs) that are not, that are not happy with them. (laughs) You do learn, I think, you know, it does very much teach you the power of words and phrases and things that people say so flippantly and don't mean it to be mean or cruel or, or anything like that. But wow, there's just how much that those, those little things can really hurt. It just makes you way more aware of what you say in the future. Absolutely. But sometimes we still say things and then it's like, oh, oops. Gosh, I mean, that's, it. we are humans. So all we can so do true. is later apologize for something crazy that's come out of our yes. mouth. So, but anyway, well, I want to, again, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I know it's a difficult one um, for being, and, and just being so um, vulnerable to, to share your story um, is going to do um, so much for our listeners, you know, to hear all of these stories and especially yours, you know, your journey. So again, Amanda, thank you so much for taking this time to share your story. Um, and did you give your website, go ahead and give your website okay. again. So if people want to reach out to you, they can, and I'll make sure that that information is in the show notes as well. Sure. So my business is called My Well-Balanced Life. And so the website is just that, mywellbalancedlife.com. And you can, you know, find everything on there from my social media accounts to my email. And if you're out there and you're listening and anything that I said resonates with you, you are always welcome to reach out to me through emails or messages. Um, if it's just to, you know, have an ear of somebody that, that understands it. I may not have answers for you, but I definitely, you know, can listen. And also I've been blessed to know a gazillion different colleagues too, that specialize in a variety of different things that can maybe even point you in the right direction of that. Um, or if there's any information I have on my website that can help you, um, I hope it does. Awesome. Thank you again so much. Um, and like I said, all of that information will be in the show notes. We'll make sure that if people need to get connected in any way that we make that happen. So again, thank you again, um, for, for sharing all of that information with us. Thank Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was lovely to chat with you. Awesome. Thank you again. Wow. Sometimes I just don't even have the words um, to explain how I feel, how my heart feels with talking to so many women. Amanda, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, your journey, your struggles. Just amazing what you went through. That deep, dark anxiety that you suffer but you have come out the other side and I am so so thankful that you have taken some time today to share your story with us I very much appreciate that and I want to thank the listeners for taking time to listen taking some of that precious precious time that we have we're so limited on to listen I hope that Amanda inspired you that she gave you some encouragement for the journey that you're going through. Did she help with teaching you something? Did you learn something from 
from the podcast today. Can you think of one person that could also benefit from this podcast? Please share it with them. And please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any. And also, please do a review so that we know how we can help you. If there's something that we're missing during this podcast that would help other people, please do a review. Let me know. I would love to improve in all aspects of the podcast. If you have an opportunity to share on social media, of course, we want to reach as many, many women as we can. So if you have an opportunity to do that, I would very much appreciate that as well. As always, you can reach me. Um, connect with me at Women Connect and, su- and Support on uh, Facebook or by sending me an email at Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A dot Women Connect 2019 at gmail.com. And also Amanda's information for your website is in the show notes if you missed that. And the other website that you referenced, um, look for that. And as always, I want you to know that you are not alone on this journey. We are here to connect and give you support through this very, very difficult time in your life. If you'd like to share your story, I would love to hear it. We know that sharing your story is very, very powerful and will always inspire others and give them hope.